expanding the globe to bring constant variety of runners, the thrill of PRs, and the agony of the feet, the human drama of athletic competition. This is the Just the Runners podcast. Podcasting. Uh, I know I missed one last week. Huh? Sorry about that. Uh, I'm sure, sure nobody even noticed. <laughs> All right. And um, well, first hi. Just want to thank everybody for listening. And I got a great interview today. Uh, Rick Blair joined me as co-host again, and uh, with Dean Carnassus. But first, I just want to say, uh, if you get a chance, uh, share the to help promote the podcast. If you could share it and or uh, leave a rating and review or anything like that it's uh, always appreciated all right and right now in my running group just a running group we've been doing uh, group challenges last month november we did uh, planking and we've moved on to our group challenge and squats and gotten up to 50 squats uh, we're not even halfway through the month tops out at 100 and everybody, if you listen to it and you're in the group, I just want to thank you uh, for participating. And it's it's just fun to do it when, now that we got like, I don't know, 10, 12 people participating and commenting and everything uh, that they did it every day. Uh, I'm still, I'm still in the running. Uh, trying to figure some way to uh, make it a little more interesting, I guess. But uh, we're, t- we're having some fun with it. And if you... Anybody's listening and not participating, you can always jump in now. Uh, we do. I do plan to try to keep these going for a while. And if you, also, if you in the Youngstown area, hopefully coming out of the, the pandemic, our group will maybe we can get some more people to come out and run with us. So if you're on Facebook, just look up me or uh, ask to join the just a running group. Just going to throw that out there today. Uh, I scheduled different places all over. Uh, Niles, uh, Youngstown, Boardman, McDonald. We get on the trails, uh, the bike trail there a lot of times. and Or in Mill Creek Park and we'll be running. So if you if you do get where you would like to uh, have some people to run with, just throwing that out there for anyone who might be interested. And... If you're worried about, uh, uh, we do, it's not hard on the run to keep your distance from people as far as social distancing. So there's no problem there. And if not, hopefully in a few months we'll be able to get together and run without having to worry about it. All right. And moving on, I am now currently starting my Hall of Fame Marathon training. Uh, I got 20 weeks to go till the May 2nd. Hall of Fame Pro Football Hall of Fame Marathon in Canton, Ohio. Woo! And I like I play a cowbell here. Yes, I have a cowbell sitting next to me while I record. Uh, made myself a 20-year plan, 20-week plan. Not 20 years. Wow, that'd be a long time to train for one race. But uh, I kind of used what I've known in the past, what works for me. Uh, did a lot of reading uh, in 
uh, Run to the Finish by Amanda Brooks. I've been doing some heart rate training and her plan on runtothefinish.com. Kind of following her plans for that. Combining her plans in there with uh, Hal Higdon's book, uh, Marathon Tra Training Plans. And I've used them before. So I'm feeling pretty confident that this plan I kind of put together that I'll be able to finish the plan and should leave me in good shape to finish the marathon. Now, this we uh, want to welcome Dean Carnassus to the podcast. That's how I had the chance earlier in the week to interview him. To me, he uh, he's a best-selling author. Of, I've read it up. I think I've read all his books. Uh, Ultra Marathon Man, uh, 50 Marathons, 50 Days, 50 States. Yeah, book about that. There's a if you got on YouTube, I believe you can see the documentary about that. I did rewatch it uh, in order to get prepared for this a few weeks ago, and uh, I recently did the audio book for uh, the Road to Sparta. Uh, I told I recommend that one. Check that out if you get a chance. And here's a little write up uh, about Dean. For those that don't know about him or or you know the name and don't really know that much about him. Uh, Time Magazine has named him one of the top 100 most influential people in the world. Men's Fitness hailed him as one of the fittest men on the planet. Stan Lee of Marvel Comics fame called him a real superhuman. An acclaimed endurance athlete and New York Times bestselling author, Dean Carnassus has pushed his body and mind to inconceivable limits. Among his many accomplishments, he has run 50 marathons in all 50 U.S. states in 50 consecutive days. He's run 350 continuous miles, forgoing sleep for three nights. He's run across the Sahara Desert in 120 degree temperatures, and he's run a marathon to the South Pole in negative 40 degrees. On 10 separate occasions, he's run a 200-mile relay race solo, racing alongside teams of 12. His long list of competitive achievements include winning the world's toughest foot race, the Badwater Ultra Mar Marathon, running 135 miles across uh, nonstop across Death Valley during the middle of summer. He has raced and competed on all seven continents of the planet, Twice over. Dean is an ESP and SB winner, a three time recipient of the Competitor Magazine Endurance Athlete of the Year Award, and serves as a U.S. Athlete Ambassador. He's twice carried the Olympic torch and in 2019 received the President's Council on Sports, Fitness, and Nutrition Lifetime Achievement Award. Dean and his incredible adventures has been featured on The Today Show, 60 Minutes, The Late Show with David Letterman, CBS News, CNN, ESPN, The Howard Stern Show, NPR's Morning Edition, Night, Late Night with Conan O'Brien, the BBC, and many others. He has appeared on the cover of Runner's World, Outside, and Wired Magazines, and has been featured in Time Newsweek, People, GQ, The New York Times, USA Today, The Washington Post, Men's Journal, Forbes, The Chicago Tribune, The Los Angeles Times, and The London Telegraph. To mention a few. And now he gets to add the Just the Runners podcast to his list. And now on to the interview. <coughs> 
Brewers Macintosh, Dean, uh, and I'm this is uh, my part-time co-host, Rick Blair. Hi, Dean. My name's Rick. Yep. Good to meet you. Good to talk with you. Well, thank you for uh, meeting with us. Yeah, let me, let me ask, where are you guys at? Where are you based? Ohio. I'm in New York. I'm in uh, Boardman, Ohio. We're like halfway between Cleveland and Pittsburgh. Okay. There's some hills in your neighborhood. We have those. We have definitely have those as an option, for sure. Yeah, it surprised me one time when I was running across America. I got uh, in that neck of the woods, and I thought it'd be flat, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a, very much less than flat. <laughs> That's very true, and I think uh, a lot of people have that misconception about Ohio that it's just this flat wasteland and. There's plenty of that in the middle of the state, but where we are, it's, we've got some nice rolling hills. I never trust the phrase rolling hills. <laughs> That's the kind way to put it, right? <laughs> Just thought I'd uh, thank you for being on our podcast. Uh, I know it's just a little podcast, but it's nice to see somebody like you uh, willing to be on it. I'm just honored and uh, happy you're here. Well, I like supporting you guys, so, um, you know, more power to you, and I'm, I'm glad I could make the time, and I'm sorry it took so long to uh, get something scheduled. Oh, uh, no, that's okay. We understand. Um, well, uh, see here. I do want to get, we'll go ahead and get started, and one of my favorite ways to warm up uh, with just a nice friendly question. What's your, I always like to ask people what's their favorite way to have pizza or if they have a favorite place too. And one other part of it I'd like to ask you, when you just started in your book, Ultra Marathon Man, you talked about getting a pizza while you were out on your 31st run where you did like 30 miles, I believe. What kind of pizza did you order? <laughs> well, I'll tell you, I'll never live down that story. Um, <laughs> and, and, and at the time, yeah, every every everyone loves that story. And you know, at the time, I never even thought twice about it. I was um, I was running a a two hundred mile uh, relay race, a twelve person relay race. But because I have uh, I don't have eleven friends left, hello. <laughs> and I uh, found myself out in the middle of nowhere, stranded. You know, running on this backcountry road uh, with no support crew. But I did have a, a cell phone and, and a credit card, and it just seemed so logical at the time, order a pizza. So I uh, placed an order for the pizza, and I gave the, the gentleman my coordinates and said, you know, he said, it'll take me about 45 minutes. I said, I'll, I'll probably be around on this corner when you, you know, when you deliver. And he said, you're not in the house? And I said, no, I'm actually running. <laughs> but um, I asked him not to slice the pizza and to uh, make it with a thin crust. And then when he brought it to me, I took it out of the box and I just rolled it up into this big, like Italian burrito log of, of pizza and I mowed as I ran. And you know what I've learned is uh, pineapple. I'm a pineapple guy on my pizza. And I know that's a very controversial statement. Very controversial. Yeah. And uh, I'm sure I'll have a lot of haters after this, but um, Hawaiian style to me, just it's, it's the best. I've had a lot of pizza while I've been out running, and uh, pepperoni is too spicy. You know, it, it mm. gives you that, you know, like the, the the heartburn kind of thing. So the pie, the pineapple pizza is perfect on the run. Yeah, that, that's pretty good. 
the Hawaiian pizza is definitely controversial. Um, now, you know, more specifically, you know, Bruce told you where we're, where we're located. Um, if you know, if you've at least heard of Youngstown, uh, that's sort of our it's our claim to fame. We're all we're about five or ten minutes from Youngstown. Um, in fact, depending on where you are in Boardman, you can kind of see it. But uh, Youngstown prides itself as being the pizza capital of the world. Um, and so, you know, Hawaiian pizza around here gets a little dicey. It's a little <laughs> dicey for sure. I personally like it. I don't mind saying that I like it, but it's uh, certainly a little dicey. I do like it once in a while. I hadn't considered it on the run, but you're right. I love pepperoni, but you're right about it. It would be a little spicy to take where you're running. Yeah, no, the Hawaiian style. And again, you got you got to order the thin crust and uh, and ask them not to slice it. Otherwise, it's just it's a mess. Sure. Well, would it? Uh, I don't know. I, this isn't really a pizza podcast, but I mean, like, I'm just thinking of the. <laughs> Thinking of it, wouldn't it be a mess just the same? I mean, like, do you fold the, you know, do you fold the ends? Like, uh, I mean, I think you're kind of near San Francisco. Is that right? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm in a bay area, just north of San Francisco, a place called Marin, Marin County. Yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah, yeah. But uh, so, I mean, like the Mission Burritos. Like, I mean, are you folding the ends in and then rolling it up? Is that what you're doing? <laughs> I, I I wish it was that you know that strategic, but I'm just rolling it into it, and, and it's squirting out the ends. I got to be honest, it's getting, it's all over your shoes. I mean, it makes a mess, but um, it it's well worth it. Oh man, well worth it. That's great. That's true. I think we have to try this sometime. Just yeah, like fit, go out for a long run halfway through, just order a pizza, and get it delivered. <laughs> I'm definitely game for that. I'll- Try a lot of things during during running, but <laughs> I can't say I've ever tried that. But I think that's that's on my to do list for sure. Well, I, I guess we it's actually a running podcast. I guess we could talk about that a little bit besides without the pizza. But um, one of the other things I recently listened to did the audio book for your uh, Road to Sparta. Um, I did enjoy that one very much, and you actually talked a lot about your Sparta diet. Doing the Spartan Athlon, I believe it was called. Um, that had to be a lot different than ordering pizza on the run. Yeah, so I'm a, I'm 100% Greek, and I wanted to try to tell the story of the um, the original marathon. And as I dug into the story, I realized that uh, the marathon was actually an ultra marathon. That everyone thinks the the messenger in ancient Greece ran from the battlefield of Marathon. Uh, to the Acropolis, which, you know, was 26.2 miles. But before doing that, he actually ran to Sparta from Athens, which is more like 150 miles, to try to recruit the Spartans because um, the the Athenians were badly outnumbered. So there's a race called the Spartathlon, which recreates um, this, this original historic run. And I was writing a book about, you know, Philippides, who's the runner, and I thought, you know, to be able to really get in his headspace, you know, you need to try to attempt this challenge as best you can the way he did it. And so I did a lot of research on, you know, how is this guy 250, 100 years ago able to run 150 miles straight through the night unsupported in 36 hours, which is even by today's standard is remarkable. Yeah. So I learned about how these, they're called homodromi, um, which are uh, essentially, the translation is an all-day runner. 
how these people would fuel themselves, these guys, when they were running these great distances. And they'd largely, um, you know, they'd eat figs and they'd eat uh, olives and uh, cured meat like beef jerky. And they'd only drink water. So I tried to uh, complete the Spartathlon, which is 153 miles, eating only these foods. So no athletic foods, drinking just water. And it was, it was you know, if you, if you listen to the book, <laughs> you saw it became quite challenging because, you know, I'd go out for eight, eight hour training runs where I was eating these foods. Um, and, you know, I actually found that figs were pretty good fuel. But when you're running for 36 hours, you know, when you're eating 30 or 40 figs, it creates some GI issues. You know, you eat figs because you want to be regular. And when you're running a, an ultra marathon of that duration, you, you, you know, that's the last thing you want is to be regular. <laughs> yeah. Wow. <laughs> so I, I had a few uh, bio breaks, if you will, a few more than anticipated. What did you think about the book, Bruce, overall? Overall, I really thought it was a good book. I enjoyed the story. Uh, the way it was all put together, and uh, the, and the, a lot of it about being the time spent in Greece and the different foods. And, uh, and one thing I was really surprised when you said you met people in your family and they all had the same calves. That was kind <laughs> of a unique thing, but I, I did a, yeah, I definitely think it's a really good book. And I definitely, if you get a chance, anybody listening out if you get a chance I would say yeah read it or do what I had to do and do the audio book I know my pace of reading I wasn't going to have it done in time but yeah. I, I like uh, personally I like audio books I probably listen to three or four audio books a month so it, to me uh, it's a great way especially on long runs to mm -hmm. uh, you know because it, let's face it if you're training as much as I'm training you, you know you're not you're not reading as much as, as you'd like so to me uh Delving into a good audiobook is um, is quite enjoyable. I think they're really good for long runs, and I get like a half hour drive to work each way. So I'm either listening to podcasts or audiobooks most of the time while I'm driving now. Well, well, Dean, this is Rick here. Um, I guess I'm pretty excited to talk to you. Uh, at this point, you know, 2020, here we are. Uh, nine years ago, I um, almost to the day, I ran my first marathon. And it was 50-50 that convinced me that marathons weren't for superhumans. Um, so I'm really glad to talk to you and tell you that. <laughs> so it's I'm, glad, I'm glad you still like me after running a marathon. Well, I'm, you know, <laughs> it's just bad, technically, but... Uh, <laughs> Um, and, and I guess I should say first of, I think at this point, I've, I've got 17 in, um, and I was supposed to run a couple more this year, but you know, this year, um, switched up a little bit anyway. So I, I guess, thank you for that, um, uh, for showing me and, and I'm certainly not the only person, um, that you've convinced that, uh, it's not a superhuman feat. That it's completely attainable. So um, I'm glad to talk to you about that. Um, one of the things that I do want to just ask you about is um, the actual fundraising component for, for what you're doing. I, I've seen and I've actually per personally participated in um, some fundraisers through running events, not just uh, the charitable beneficiary of the races themselves, but actually like build up 
uh, establishing um, fundraisers and the training. Um, and I know, I, I guess like, I want to talk about it from like a couple of different ways. I want to give you an opportunity to talk about some of the, the charities that, that you're affiliated with, including Carno Kids. Um, but I guess the question I really have is like, why does that make sense? Because it just like the combination or the, the partnership between endurance events or activities and charitable causes, because they just seem to, to make so much sense. Um, and, you know, I'm just uh, curious as to what your thoughts are about that. Well, that's a, you know, Rick, that's a really interesting topic. And it's not a question I get asked a lot about. Um, and I have thought uh, about your question uh, a fair amount. And it's curious, isn't it? I mean, why, <laughs> you know, why, why when someone hits me up saying, uh, you know, I'm going to run 100 miles for charity, it's going to be my first 100 miler, uh, but you know my uh, my my aunt is suffering from this rare disease, and I, I don't want to help support this organization that can find a cure. Yeah. Why does that just pull at your at your heartstrings? I mean, it it's something. There's something powerful about uh, someone willing to sacrifice and and commit and do something that makes you want to support them. And you know, I I was back in 1993. I was part of the the very first team in training that, mm-hmm. uh, and you probably know of team in training, which I think is still the yeah. largest um, fundraising uh, event at endurance sports races. And I couldn't, I, you know, I thought we had to raise something like $2,500 and this is $1993. So maybe yeah. it's, you know, more than $4,000 these days. And I thought, how am I going to possibly do this? Like if I want to go to Hawaii, uh, you know, uh, and run the Honolulu Marathon. I got to raise this money. Mm-hmm. It it happened in about a week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. I sent out some email. This is when email was just getting started. I sent out some emails to friends. I sent out a couple letters, and and people supported it. So I I you know, there's just something powerful about you know that messaging that seems to resonate with folks, especially non-runners. I think a lot of non-runners mm-hmm. they might be aspirational. And you know, hope to to be able to do something like you did, run a marathon one day. And I think contributing to a cause like that just it gives them a little more inspiration in their own lives. Hmm. Is that you think that kind of answers the question? I mean, you probably have thought about it yourself. Uh, I certainly have thought about it, and um, you know, like I said, I think seventeen marathons at this point, and and probably five of them um, we've either I have or with a group um, participated in fundraising um, for a charitable cause uh, specifically. And I think there's something about um, spending yourself on behalf of someone else. That's that's one component that, that I have considered. And the other one is, I think running is, is inherently, um, how do I say this? It's sort of a selfish activity, right? Like it's self-absorbed for sure. It's self-absorbed, yeah. yeah like, yeah. You know, I'm married and I've got two kids and if I'm training for a marathon, I got to go out on a Saturday and, and I'm gone for three hours and then I'm exhausted when I get home or whatever. Um, so there's there's something something sacrificial that's happening there. Um, so how do we take this activity that is, as you said, self-absorbed um, and how do you make it less so? I don't know if that's a component. I, I don't, you know, I'm not looking for like a, you know, carbon neutral aspect to it. Um, but I think, you know, sometimes that's, that's a motivator for some people. I know for me, I, I like the idea of 
physically spending myself on behalf of something else. Um, and, and, and doing that as a fundraiser, um, as I lost lots of miles, um, makes sense to me, but yeah, I appreciate your thoughts on it for sure. And I think, you know, we, we've talked about why people are willing to contribute, but I, I think to your point, it also gives uh, a deeper meaning to, to running a marathon. Yeah. I mean, just like, as you stated so eloquently, you know, when, when you're doing it for someone else, it takes an act that is somewhat selfish and self-absorbed and it, it turns it around. It makes it feel like, you know, your, your efforts are not just about you, it's about helping others. Mm-hmm. And so I think it, it works, the fundraising element works both ways. Yeah, that's a good point. Appreciate that. Um, um, one other thing, uh, he mentioned the 50 states and uh, that you did the 50 marathons in 50 days. Logistic, just how were you even able to get enough rest from day to day to even keep going on something like that? <laughs> I wasn't, is the answer. <laughs> I mean, it, it was it was exhausting. Um, the the travel was more exhausting than the running, I have to be honest. I mean, I think that if I was just going to run uh, 26.2 miles every day uh, from my house, uh, it would be so much easier. But, you know, running a marathon and getting in a school bus, you know, and driving 10 hours to the next state uh, was far from ideal. <laughs> so, it, 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 you know, in hindsight, it's a miracle that I somehow kept it together because the sleep deprivation uh, and just sheer exhaustion was was more daunting than, than the running. You know, I almost some days just look forward to the running because I, I knew that, you know, I knew what was ahead of me for, for three or four or five hours. Like I knew what I'd be doing. <laughs> There'd be no uncertainty, like I'm running a marathon. There's, you know, there's no traffic to contend with. There's no, you know, roadblocks or detours. Um, you know, there's no uncertainty when you get to the uh, hotel, like are they going to have any reservations or how that all works. So, you know, the, the sleep was, was uh, a tricky part. And, you know, we drove to most of the states, but how do you, you know, how do you drive to Alaska? And especially, how do you, how do you drive to Hawaii? <laughs> <laughs> you don't. So I had to, you know, I had to get on. Sure had to get on. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, getting on a flight and just hoping your flight's not delayed, um, you know, and hoping you're not going to miss the connection uh, was also, you know, that that sort of stress just made things even more intense. Well, of the fifty states, did you have any particular favorite or? Ohio, of course. Yeah, come on. <laughs> That's a well, softball right there. <laughs> you know, all of them, I, it's so funny because, you know, this was over a decade ago, and I can remember every single race huh. without exception. Like, it, it was something indelible. is just imprinted on my brain. I, I mean, I wish I, <laughs> I wish I could remember people's birthdays with such recollection. <laughs> but, yeah, it, it, and all of them were nuanced and um, interesting and you know that so much happens to you in 50 days it's almost like drinking from a fire hose but you know after running the New York City Marathon which is certainly a highlight because that was the last marathon uh, it was certainly um, overwhelming you know that what what this thing became because it became more than just me running a marathon I mean it became almost like a, a traveling roadshow. You know, we had uh, passport, I mean, we had permits and, and um, 
and insurance writers for up to 50 people to, to run with me at each event. And I think that was what made it so magical is that it wasn't just about me going out there trying to do something. You know, it was about inclusion. Um, and as you said, Rick, it was about, you know, people that never previously thought they could do something like this, joining a group and all of a sudden running a marathon and with a lot less pressure. I mean, it was, you know, a lot of these marathons were just recreated using the marathon route um, in that city on the, at that state uh, on that day. So we, you know, we contact the race director in advance and say, you know, will you set up your official starting line and let us follow your sanctioned and certified course and finish at your official finish line? And, uh, you know, 42 race directors said, that's fine. And so that's what exactly what we did. I mean, eight of the, eight of the marathon, marathons were the actual marathon on that day in that state. You know, like I ran the Chicago Marathon on the date of the Chicago Marathon, the, the Marine Corps Marathon on the date of the Marine Corps. Uh, but, you know, 42 of them were these recreated events where up to 50 runners could join me. And it was, it was really... It was really fun, is what it was. I mean, just to see people, you know, just saying, "What the heck? I'm gonna, I'm gonna take a couple of days off work. I'm gonna fly to a different state. I'm gonna meet Dean, and we're gonna run a marathon." So I think that that element brought me the most joy uh, of anything. It's just the people I met along the way and the experiences we shared collectively. Hmm. What what you said that was really interesting is you're talking about how you remember every marathon. <clears throat> you know, you would think that. Or some people would think it would just, they would sort of blend together. Uh, but you remember every little thing. I had just um, watched this interview with Wayne Gretzky, the great Wayne Gretzky. And he talks about how he remembers every play of every game that he ever played in the NHL, which seems ridiculous to me. Um, but he said uh, just like his passion is what, what causes him to remember that. Is it, like, are you, can you speak to that at all? That, I mean, that, that uh, is, a, you know, worthy of a podcast in its own right. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> because for sure. Um, it's funny, you know, my dad, who's, uh, who's 84, he's an avid golfer. I mean, he loves the golf. And yeah. he literally can remember every hole of golf he's played. It's insane. You could say, okay, on, you know, wow. March 22nd and... 1987 you know did you play golf and he can say oh i was not you know I was, yeah i was i played pebble beats for the first time on that day and i shot a, a you know two over par and i i bogeyed the the 12th and i i at first i thought he was kidding like hold it you, you got to be kidding but it it's remarkable how he remembers every single round of golf yeah that that's impressive just just the fact that that just the fact you remember anything at age eighty four is impressive. Oh, yeah. yeah, for sure. Well, tell us some tell us something uh, some memory you have of the Ohio Marathon. Ah, <laughs> oh, yeah, it was it was so cold. It was raining. Uh, it was miserable. <laughs> Sounds about right. We yeah, <laughs> we had a uh, we had a uh, a police escort take us because the course goes on the freeway for a while. What part of Ohio was it? I don't. It was the, It was Cleveland. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yep. And uh, you know, and and on these quote unquote recreated races in the uh, midweek, you know, we didn't have the whole route closed down like they do on normal marathon day because yeah. you know they closed the route for eight hours, so they stopped traffic. You know what they do on a marathon yep. on an actual marathon day, but we just had like this uh, police escort 
there was kind of, uh, you know, closing down sections of, you know, stoplights and things like that. So we, we runners would just get through there and then they'd reopen it. Well, we went up on the freeway during this rainstorm. And it was just, it was crazy trying to like these, these cops, these motorcycle cops trying to corral these big rigs, you know, that are on this major interstate uh, as we're running alongside the freeway. <laughs> <laughs> I've never been so happy to see a freeway off ramp to, to get off that freeway as, as during that marathon. That's great. I think I've run that course because I actually I've run Cleveland five times. Uh, last time I ran it was 2011, so we're uh, but I did it on the actual race day. I think would have been unique to get out there and run up like that though. Uh, yeah, and it was it was in late October. And if, you know, you know how cold it can get in late October. Yes. It was one of those days where, yeah, yeah. The wind's whipping off the lake and cutting through your skin. And yep, I can imagine you know, those days. And, you know, I also, um, I ran across America one time. I ran from uh, New York City to, um, uh, I'm sorry, I ran from uh, Los Angeles to New York City. Yeah. And I cut through southern Ohio, and that's how I was saying I know how hilly it is. <laughs> yes. So, yeah, for sure. That's, um, that's sort of where uh, my, my parents are from, uh, southern Ohio. So you're talking about Appalachia there um, into West Virginia and Pennsylvania. Yeah, that's very hilly. Those I wouldn't call rolling hills. <laughs> Those are a little more brutal than the rolling hills I mentioned earlier. Uh, I don't trust anybody calling anything rolling hills now. But <laughs> well, I live in the and you know in the San as we talked about in the San Francisco Bay Area, mm-hmm. and you know people come out here and we we run um, up you know kind of a small peak and they say wow that's a mountain and I'm, and I, I'm thinking this is this is a speed bump <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know when you're from the Midwest anything looks like a mountain because it's so flat right. How long uh, was your, I'm sorry, I missed it in the thing, but when did you run across America? That must have been four or five years ago. Yeah, it was, uh, it was uh, on a television show called the Live with Regis and Kelly, a morning show. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, yeah. I do, you know, I remember watching that, actually. <laughs> yeah, it was, they were filming me. They, they do a little highlight every morning about my run across America, and and I ended up running uh, into their studio in Manhattan, and that was the finish line right there. They set up a finish line in the studio. And and uh, and I'd like to. There's a there's a ultimately a question I want to ask here, Dean, because um, that's not the first time you were on that show. You were on that show when uh, Regis was still the host. And would you like to tell us or about the time that you met then? <laughs> sure. I mean, <laughs> I mean, it's in print. It's in print. So yeah. Well, I, I'm not. I'm not going to be able to hold the audience in uh, in suspense, wondering who it is I met. But um, yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. No. I, I, yeah. So I was I was trying to set the world record for 48 hours on a treadmill, and it was in. You're right. In their studios, which um, the ABC studios are located in downtown Manhattan in, uh, on Columbus Street. And I was in like this glass bubble that fronted the, uh, the, 
literally the Columbus Street. So, you know, thousands of people walking by inches away from me, but separated by this piece of glass, looking at this guy, you know, running on a treadmill for 48 hours. Well, the second morning rolls around and I'm just shot. I'm probably at mile, probably around mile 200. I've got a couple hours left to go. And I, I mean, I am, I am chafing where the sun don't shine. And all, all that is in this glass enclosure is this treadmill, and I've got a little gear bag off, you know, behind the treadmill. And in that gear bag, I had some, you know, some body glide, some Vaseline. And there are 200 people outside this window looking at me running, but I've, I've just got to get some relief. So I kind of just look at them and shrug my shoulders like, you know, guys got to do what guys got to do. And so I hop off the treadmill, I, I dig through my bag, I find the Vaseline, you know, I kind of discreetly put my hand in there and kind of reached down my shorts <laughs> and kind of did my gig, you know, lubricated where I needed to lubricate. I didn't have a towel or anything, not to mention I'm just, I'm completely a mess at this point. So I just hop back on the treadmill and keep, and keep running. Well, as I'm, as I'm running on the treadmill, I see this motorcade pull up to, this, to the front of the building. And I see these guys, you know, these big black Suburbans getting out, you know, with earbuds in and, you know, wearing Ray-Ban glasses and, you know, <laughs> something big protruding under their, their coats. <laughs> and then all of a sudden, uh, a Lincoln Town Car pulls up and a, a guy gets out and he's surrounded by this posse of bodyguards. And they come into the ABC studios and they go into um, World News and Reports. So whoever this was, that some dignitary, they, they put into the studio to, to do some sort of interview. So I thought, wow, that was really interesting to watch that go down. And, and I just kept think, running, not thinking much about it. Well, about a half an hour later, I see this posse of people emerge from the ABC studios and start coming over toward me. And it was, they're, they're kind of coming my way. And they walk up to the side of the treadmill and the posse kind of spreads apart, and you're right, out from the middle pops Barack Obama. And he looks up at me on the treadmill, and he says, Dean, I, I heard about what you're doing. I can't believe it. I just have to shake your hand. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm looking at my hand going, oh, buddy, you do not want to shake my hand. Believe me. <laughs> So at the last moment, I did probably the wimpiest thing ever. I, I knuckle clanked the future president, future president of the United States. Yeah. Oh, that's that's a good story. I don't that's one that you'll hang on. I don't recall Obama being a runner, so you may not be aware of uh, some of the things that runners do while they're out. <laughs> and I didn't tell him. Believe me. No, no. Uh, I, there's a there's a sort of curiosity I have about if he has since discovered this. I, I'm sure he's had a lot more important things to be concerned about. But, uh, but someone surely along the line has has read those words, Dean, and reported that to him. Well, I'll tell you something really funny. So I mean, this was uh, a few years before running across America. Mm-hmm. So it just so happens I'm running across America, uh, you know, on the same show. And as I'm running into Washington, D.C., so I was about 65 days in, you know, and I was running 40 to 50 miles a day. Uh, as I'm running toward the Capitol, I get this phone call from someone. And she says, 
I'm at the White House, and there's there's a person here that wants to meet you. And of course, I think this is a prank call. Like, okay, my crew, yeah. like, is there, this is a prank call. And so I said to the woman on the on the line, like, well, who who is it that wants to meet me? And she said, well, her name is Michelle. Mm. And I'm thinking, like, Michelle, like a sous chef in the kitchen or something. I'm so I'm like, <laughs> like Michelle, okay, Michelle. And and this voice in there it says Michelle Obama. Um, can, can you place the name, Dean? We know you've been out there running a long time, but you know who this is? Right. <laughs> of course, I know who Michelle Obama is. And again, I thought it was it was a prank call. But I'm running down Pennsylvania Avenue, right past the gates of the White House. And as I'm running past the gates, you know, if you've ever been there before, there's tourists all over looking at the White House. Yep. All of a sudden, the gate opens. And there's a guy standing there with a gun that looked like, you know, something from the Terminator. And he says, hey, Carno, right in here. And I looked at him and I thought, what the hell? And all, all the tourists are looking at me. And I'm, I'm just like this grungy guy, like covered in road soot and running along. And, and so I run in. He high fives me on the way in. He's, he's like, yeah, the, the White House is over there. And I see someone standing at the entrance of the White House, and she's like, hey, Dean, come, come through here. So I run from the gate to the White House. She's like, yeah, just head down the hallway. I literally run into the hallway of the White House. Oh, this my. is true. So I'm in my running gear, running down the hallway of the White House. You know, there's presidential bus, you know, there's a presidential library, all this stuff. And, and then I come to a person, and she says, yeah, she's out there on the grass waiting for you. Just head on out. Wow. So I, I hang a left and go out to the South Lawn, and there is Michelle Obama. And she wow. sees me, and no shit, she says, oh, man, Dean, it is such an honor to meet you. Can I just give you a hug? Oh. <laughs> I, I, I'm like, my, my jaw is agape. I'm like, this is not happening. So I literally uh, hang out with Michelle Obama <laughs> wow. uh, at the White House, and, and she's really tall. Mm-hmm. And she gets it. She says, "Do you mind if I take off my shoes?" And I'm like, "No, that's 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 cool." <laughs> so I, I have photos like kicking it with the first lady on the south lawn of the of the White House, and she's barefoot. She's walking around barefoot. That's great. And I wanted to say to her, you know, do, do I get to meet the man? Because I got a story I'd like to share with him. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> but it gets even stranger that the night before I'm supposed to arrive is the night that they uh, they. Uh, off um, Osama bin Laden. Oh my! Yeah, so it was that night, and I I couldn't believe they still had me to the White House. It was just operation as normal. I mean, there was no, nothing had changed. But she said he was um, in lockdown in the Oval Office all day oh, because sure. of it. Yeah. So, well, I, that was my that was my chance to share my story, but <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know if I'll get another one. Yeah. Well, well, since we're talking about presidents, which I didn't think we would be, but uh, going in as vice president, Kamala Harris, I understand she's a runner. Maybe you could get a chance to run with her. I, you know what? I did not know that, and she's she's from the Bay Area as well. Right. I, I did not know that. Uh, from what I understand, she's a runner. I don't know how good, but uh, I haven't heard of anything like that. But uh, from what I understand, she was out actually running when they announced some of the election results and things like that. Oh, I mean, I always have a newfound respect for anyone that's that busy and prominent if they're running. Uh, You guys are probably the same way. I mean, if you hear about a a person that's, you know, very prominent and they're a runner, 
Yes. You, you, I mean, you know what it's like to be a runner. It takes commitment and grit and sacrifice, and it, and it hurts. <laughs> That's so true. There's, yeah, there's a, I think, a, you know, we, we have like a, a shared commonality, uh, we runners, across the globe, because yep. we're, we, you know, we know what it's like to be in the other person's shoes. But you bring up something actually I have on my, my little uh, cheat sheet here, and that is I want to, I'd love to talk about pain. Um, you know, I think you have it in one of your one of your books. I know you have this this saying, and uh, I know Haruki Murakami has it in one of in, uh, in one of his books that pain is inevitable and suffering is optional. Um, but you know, I've just been thinking a lot over this last. Well, frankly, since March, if we get all since March of this year, this thinking uh, more and more about pain and failure and suffering and all of these things, and I guess maybe it's a it's sort of a two part um, discussion is is more about like generally about pain and the way that, that humans interact with it, um, and then maybe more specifically about this idea of pain and endurance during a pandemic. I mean, you know, like. Like I, I don't know. Like, what do you? How do you see um, all of those things sort of fitting together? Yeah, and I know I'm asking you like multiple things all at once, but um, I'd love to hear what you might have. To no, say. it's it, it, it's that's a great question, Rick. I mean, you know, here, especially in America, we we treat pain as as the enemy. I mean, hmm. if you know, if you watch television, half the commercials are for pharmaceutical companies, you know, yeah. advertising for things that remove pain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, we, we think in the absence of pain, we'll find happiness. And I think in a lot of ways, we've become so comfortable, we're miserable. Um, you know, we, we try to eliminate pain where I think the runner welcomes pain. I think the runner um, is a realist. And when they're standing at the start of a, of a race, of a marathon or half marathon, they realize there's going to be pain. I mean, you know, to, you're, you'd be delusional to think this, this is going to be the marathon I can run with no pain. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So I think we have a unique relationship with pain, and I think that um, enduring pain during a run helps you endure pain in life. And you know, let's let's face it. I mean, life is about is about pain. It's about loss. It's about hardship. Uh, I think it's telling that um, the, uh, in the you know the main character of uh, Homer's Odyssey, Odysseus. Mm -hmm. You know, Odysseus in Greek means, literally the translation means man of pain. Yeah. And he just basically suffered his whole life, you know, through these episodes, uh, these painful episodes, trying to, you know, reunite with his family. So I think that, you know, we, we face so much pain in our lives um, in the normal course of living. And now to layer on top of that, the pandemic, it's just, it's exacerbated things uh, to a point where a lot of people are fraying. And, you know, and I'll be honest, including myself, I mean, this thing has hit me harder than anything I've ever had to deal with. And, and it's, it's not the pandemic. It's, it's more that, you know, my livelihood is basically going to, to running events. You yeah. know, that's how I support my family. You know, that's why I put food on the table, keep the lights on. And, and that got turned off. And at first, I thought, okay, well, it's it's coming back. You know, it, just be patient. And, and I'm, you know, I'm not I'm not a very patient man. But now I've kind of entered this this I, I don't know this kind of purgatory where no one's really certain when endurance races are going to come back right. and what they'll 
comeback. So I felt somewhat like a caged animal. I mean, I think about, you know, a grown man being unemployed. It's, I basically have faced the harshest unemployment imaginable, layered on the fact that there's nothing I can do about it. Right. You know, I'm, I, I'm a problem solver, as most runners are. You know, you, you encounter hardship, and what do you do? You, you surmount it, you overcome, you deal with adversity. And it's, you know, to me, I've never had so much anxiety about just trying to figure out what my next move is going to be. And, and feeling like I'm handcuffed because I, I can't go to a running event and I can't put on a running event. I can't do those things that, that, that I do. And so I, I can relate to a lot of what people are going through. And, you know, I, I say that, but I, I also have not lost a family member. I mean, I can't imagine the hardship and, and sorrow um, someone who has lost someone to the pandemic must be going through. Sure. How are you guys? I mean, let's have an honest conversation. How are you guys doing? Um, I'm getting by. I mean, overall, I'm somebody who normally, I don't run like, uh, you know, I usually run 20 races a year, anything from 5K to a marathon, if you try to do it. And this year it's just been so odd and trying some virtual races and it's just not the same. Um, I haven't lost anybody to the, you know, to the virus. I know my one friend Greg. Uh, he did lose a sister. Uh, she caught coronavirus and went. And it's really tough. And how you know when you hear some of these things people say about it, and when you know somebody that lost a family member, it's really tough to not take it as seriously. And I mean, running for us. I mean, it's not my livelihood. Like it is, you know, like you were talking about, but uh, it, it's a big part of my life. And some of it is losing the motivation to get out there every day, like I used to do and train for something. And so this has really been an odd, in many ways, odd, uh, difficult year for me, not just from the virus, but, uh, and, you know, I mean, I had other problems. Uh, Found out I had eight fib this year on top of all this other stuff and dealing with all of this and trying to get out and not have my normal thing to look forward to with the races. Uh, it, it's just hasn't, uh, right now I'm like trying to start getting ready for a marathon in May and hoping it's going to go off. I mean, yeah. Dean, thanks for asking that. Um, that's, uh, <laughs> that's admirable. Um, <laughs> I'm tired. Uh, just, you know, I think that's sort of the short answer that when people ask how I'm doing, I say I'm healthy and tired. My family's healthy. Um, and we're tired. Uh, you know, my, um, my wife, uh, is the chair of the lab at our local hospital. And, um, she would say this is the, the most stressful time in her career. Um, and that sort of flows out, um, but, you know, we've got a, uh, what initially in the state of Ohio, um, the governor closed the schools for three weeks in March. Um, and everyone, including myself, we sort of thought, okay, that's going to be three weeks. And um, it was closed, of course, for the rest of the school year. Um, thankfully, my kids um, are, are in in-person school um, and, are, and continue to be safe there. In fact, it's one of the safest places for them because of the precautions they've taken um, but, you know, we try to 
pivot and um, take a moment to evaluate what's what's really important. Uh, even with you know, Bruce is talking about running, like even with running, like what's why do we value that? Um, you know, for a guy like me who's uh, <laughs> who, who you know tries to run a couple marathons a year and fifteen hundred miles a year. Um, that's uh, I look at that and say, well, why do I like it? Why is this valuable to me? Why is this important to me? Um, you know, so I've been able to have maybe a streak of, of creativity, um, even in the running, uh, creating things for my friends and, and me to go out and try to do. Um, uh, you know, I could give you examples of that right now, but I mean, you know, just trying to um, figure out what are our priorities and I think hopefully that's what most people are doing but I also know that there are a lot of people that have, have lost employment to the point where they're worried about eating um, and thankfully I haven't uh, we haven't had to worry about things like that um, so it's tough <laughs> yeah um, no I, uh, I you know people used to tell me that they worry and they have anxiety and uh, fear of the future and uncertainty and I used to just nod my head at them, you know, and yeah. think, and try to empathize, but like have no idea what they were feeling. And and now someone can say that to me, and I can say, "Got it." Now I know what it's like to worry, and it's horrible. Yeah, <laughs> I, it's really horrible. Like I, I you know, I, I hate that I've experienced it, but hopefully I'll uh, emerge stronger and more learned that I have because um, worry is just it's it's a it's exhausting, like you said. I mean, you said we're tired, and you know, to, to to not do anything all day and to sleep for ten hours and be exhausted yeah. <laughs> is a, it's something new to me. Like, I, you know, I, I would think that most people they just didn't do anything and slept. They, you know, to be refreshed, but it is it is draining. <laughs> yeah. yeah, truly, and you know, it also. I'm sure like you guys, we, you know, we've probably all been doing a lot of reflecting on, on just how good we had it. Uh, you know, events like Boston or the New York City Marathon, those are magical. And, yep. you know, uh, uh, two million people on the side of the road at New York, <laughs> high-fiving you, cheering you on. Yeah. You know, that, that was, uh, yeah, I mean, who knows if we'll, in, in our lifetimes if we'll ever get back to that. So it was, I guess, you, you, you know, you, you'd be thankful for what you have at this point. And, um, and, you know, I hope that it does come back online because I'd hate to spend my whole, you know, the rest of my running career, um, you know, reflecting on how good it once was. Right. Right. Well, um, how, tell me something that, I don't know, like you're, you're asking us really serious and having a good conversation here. What's, um, what's something that's good right now for you? Yeah, well, I mean, you know, like you said, I've, uh, I, I, my kids are at home, and my kids are older than your kids. Yeah. Uh, and so, you know, I've got to um, reacquaint myself with my kids, and, I, you know, I've seen them as, as different humans now. You know, they went away to college, and, you know, there, there's a point where, you know, you, you almost become irrelevant as a parent. But you learn that you really, that you're really never irrelevant as a parent. You know, it, even though they're older, you you still have a, a place in their in their in their life and in their heart. So that's been wonderful. 
you know, certainly the follies on Zoom have been kind of uplifting. <laughs> I keep telling my mom, Mom, we're on Zoom. We're looking at you the inside of your ear. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I, you know, I, and I think collectively, as, as I hope collectively, as uh, a society and as a world, we'll show more compassion toward each other. I mean, I know here in America things are so divisive, but I think there's a current of people just saying that that is exhausting as well. Yep. Come on, you know, let, we have our differences, but we can still be friends. <laughs> yeah, we're humans. I mean, come on, let, let's not make everyone miserable. We can rise above this. So I, I hope that that is one of the outcomes of the pandemic. Yeah, that's good. Well, one. Uh, I guess this could be a little self-absorbed here, self-centered. But one thing about the pandemic with this podcast, when I was doing it for a couple of years now, but before when I was interviewing people, and Rick can attest it, I would just meet them in person, get together in person, be at like a coffee shop and record there. I had to learn how to use Skype and Zoom uh, to keep doing my the interviews. And... Because of that, I've really expanded my uh, reach out to the people that I'm getting on my podcast earlier on. It was just people in the Youngstown area, which is great. But uh, now we're going to talk to Dean Carnazes here. I mean, this is fantastic. I mean, I've reached all over the country now and talked to different people, and I never thought I'd ever be doing that. So. I guess that's one, if I was trying to look for something good about all this, that it forced me out of what, the whole thing out of my comfort zone and to reach out to people I never thought I'd ever even try to uh, get a hold of. So. Yeah, well, and, you know, you've got a somewhat captive audience. I mean, you know, podcast people are listening to podcasts more than ever now because, you know, there's not a lot of, you know, you're not going out to dinner on Friday night, at least I'm not. <laughs> but I'm, you know, I'm going on a run listening to a podcast or a book, uh, and that, that's 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 really great, Bruce. I'm glad uh, I'm glad we were able to talk, and I'm glad um, you know we're able to uh, over the miles connect. For sure. Yeah, I'm really glad we were able to get together for this. And uh, did you have any last thoughts, Rick, or any other questions? Well, I guess uh, you know I'd be remiss here. Um, you know, Dean, you talked about who knows when these events are gonna are gonna come back up. Uh, I'm sure my email inbox is full of uh, promises right now. <laughs> but um, I, one of the things that I do is I work part time for the Youngstown Marathon Foundation. Um, we hosted the inaugural Youngstown Marathon in 2017, and uh, this year, like a lot of races, it went virtual. Um, but I would be remiss if I didn't invite you to come and participate in the Youngstown Marathon when it happens again, whether that's in 2021, October of 2021, or 22, or whatever it happens and whatever it works with your schedule. I would just want to extend the invitation. You can stay with me, you can stay with Bruce, or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, be careful what you ask for, because if you got a couch, you... You might find a guy sleeping on it for a while. Hey, that's fine. That's fine. But yeah, I just, you know, like, I, I know you're a busy guy, and when it, everything comes back together, I'm sure your calendar will fill up very quickly. 
Um, but uh, but I certainly want to extend that invitation to you. I I appreciate. When is Young Sound Marathon? What time of year? It's in October. So if you want to run uh, marathon in Ohio in October again, uh, <laughs> I can't promise anything about the weather, but I can tell you that it is a beautiful <laughs> course. It has, ro- it has rolling hills. Oh God! Okay, <laughs> mountains in other words. Yeah, <laughs> but it, it's a, it's a beautiful course through uh, through what's what uh, is affectionately known as the Green Cathedral here in Youngstown. It's called the it's called Mill Creek Park, and um, it's just gorgeous in late fall. Um, great place to run. So, well, yeah. I, I appreciate it. And, you know, let's see what happens where the world's at next October Absolutely. because uh, I'm I'm hopeful that we'll be getting more events online and uh, and bravo to you i didn't i had no idea that was a youngstown marathon yeah yeah, yeah. it's been a lot of work but um <laughs> it's, grown, it's grown a little bit each year and uh yeah. i think we're we we had a good trajectory um uh heading into this year and then um you know whatever this year we're gonna survive it and and come out the other side um but uh but hopefully the the race will will uh, pick right back up well, I, like I said, I appreciate the invite, and uh, let's stay in touch, and yes. who knows, when October rolls around, uh, it could work out. Great. Great. Well, uh, we'll go ahead and wrap it up. I uh, just want to thank you again. Did you have any last second or last minute of things you'd like to add on or advice? Or? In, uh, no, I just want to say I appreciate what you guys are doing. I appreciate the uh, the open and honest conversation, and it's it's been cathartic for me. I am. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it, it's it's kind of good to bear your soul every once in a while, and um, rarely do I do so. But you guys just seem like the the right host to kind of get honest about where things are at in my life and, and the world. And uh, I think it'll ultimately benefit a lot of people. So please, you know, let me know when the uh, the podcast goes live, and I'll help share it if you'd like me to. But it's been a real pleasure. Yeah, likewise, Dean. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you. Enjoy. You too. Thanks. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. If you have any comments, suggestions, please uh, email me at justarunner65 at gmail.com. Have a great run.